Hi everyone, this is Heather, and you're listening to Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. Today's episode is, uh-oh, did I just call you that? <laughs> and today's episode is all about how selfish and self-absorbed we're becoming just as humans. It's all about what's going to affect me, how's it going to affect me, whether it be about life goals, self-care, abundance, all of these things are aimed at self. And I know what you're thinking, but wait a minute, I give and give and give, and I'm always the one who is last to choose where we go to dinner. I'm the one eating crumbs because I've given so much to my family. So I don't think I'm selfish, but you might be more than you realize. So stick around, today's episode's gonna get really good. And I also wanna tell you why our teenagers and preteens love the shower so much. And get your head out of the gutter, it's not what you think. So thanks for joining me today, guys. Let's get into this. So why do our preteen teenagers love the shower? Again, get your head out of the gutter. It's not that. It is, though, partially what you're thinking. It's the alone time. It's no distractions. It's all about you. I mean, come on. Like, what kid doesn't want it to be all about them, right? But in all honesty, after losing my husband, when I was able to be the most vulnerable was always when I was in the shower because I didn't have to worry about my kids and if they were watching me cry yet again, um, even though I do openly cry in front of them, you know, but it was just time to myself. And it's time when you can't escape yourself. You can't be distracted by other things. And truly, I was able to process, I think, the best when I was in the shower. So listen, parents, spouses, I know you're used to giving, giving, giving to everyone else all the time and just eating the scraps, right? Not being the one to choose what you watch, what you eat, what you do, ever. (laughs) But maybe that's what's leading to this self-centered attitude that we've all adopted, thinking that we're selfless because within the family dynamic, maybe we are, but then the world gets the side of us that's going to put us first, if that makes any sense at all. Because I definitely see within families, uh, the parents or you know a spouse sacrificing for the other often, but you don't necessarily see that when you're looking at community or more global things. I mean, if you just think about Instagram and you think about any kind of social media or you know all these selfies that we take and the way that we what our first thought always seems to be is, you know, what's in it for me? And that attitude is definitely it's pretty global. I feel like I see it everywhere I turn. And it's hard because when you really think about what selfless means, it is an interesting concept because how often do we say that, oh, we can't afford something right now? <laughs> when, I mean, I know you can afford something right now. The the few people I know I can count on one hand who truly can't afford maybe that extra something right now. Even if you thought about like donating $20 a month, <laughs> there's so many people that are like, oh, right now is not a good time. $20 a month, you probably just spent that on popcorn and, you know, garbage magazines or whatever. I don't know. But it's amazing to me that that's our first instinct is that a commitment to any thing that gives to the greater good is like, no, no, I can't afford that. But yet you have cable TV, you have how many plans on your phone? Uh, I don't know, it it is just a little baffling to me that we don't really see it. I mean, especially when we're saving or budgeting for things, like in our minds, it's like, no, that's an impossibility, but it's really not. And the things that we're willing to spend our money on make me 
question things a little too, because when you think about like self-improvement or um, just betterment of society, we don't ever want to spend on those things or it seems so excessive. And yet the things we'll do on self-care, getting our hair done, our nails done, um, you know, even men, I know the barbershop, uh, my son loves to get like the hot towel on his neck now. It's like all this stuff. It's just luxury. Really, it's over the top when we should just be grateful, right, to have a shower in our home with clean water. And I know this is not what this whole topic is about. I actually want to round this out to talk about healthcare because I think it actually plays into this. So when I was thinking about what we did for dietary changes in our family around the time when my husband was going through his cancer battles, I remember adjusting everything and catering everything to his needs. But this is almost like, um, you know, going to the immediate problem and just sticking band-aids on because we had each and every person in our family had our own medical thing that affected our diet in some way. I mean, little ways, but I'm a type one diabetic. So for me, I don't know how much you know about type ones, but it's an autoimmune disorder. And basically I can still eat sugar. I just need to give myself the proper dosing of insulin for that. So I have to count my carbohydrates. At any rate, it, I was trying to do a keto diet and I don't want to get into that too much on this episode because it's not about diet, but I will do some upcoming episodes just about different dietary choices. But um, I have my oldest son, we had been trying to eliminate dyes. If I'm remembering this correctly, I mean, it's all a little blurry, but I think for him it was food dyes that were um, affecting his attention and focus. And so he needed that eliminated. And I want to say my other son, it was something to do with milk, maybe casein or something to that effect. Um, but each one of us had something, which, which was wild. I mean, if you try to just adjust to everybody's diet pretty soon, there's nothing left to eat. So uh, I was at one point having to scurry around and make four totally different dinners. And it seemed impossible. But here's where I get back again to this whole selfishness is that I was being what I thought was selfless by trying to just put my dietary needs aside and just focus all my time and energy on my husband's diet. His seemed to me to be the biggest danger, but it was like, yeah, so he's the imminent threat right now. Like, so we, what, we wait until somebody's on fire and then we address their situation? It just doesn't make sense the way we're doing things. You don't wait until the fire goes and then all of a sudden now let's address it. If you have a, you know, a lit candle in the middle of a haystack, it kind of makes sense to blow that out, right? Not just wait until you have this huge flames and then try to like put the fire out. It just doesn't make sense. But yet that's kind of what we were doing. We just ended up foregoing all of our own dietary needs and health needs for the person who was struggling the most. And what I would encourage people to do is to look at how capable are our children? Because I've had to look at this a lot lately. My kids were perfectly capable of making a lot of their own food. You know, it's, they were seven and 10 at the time, but still at seven and 10, you'd be amazed. They loved being in the kitchen with me. They happily contributed whatever I'd let them. A lot of the times it was a control thing. I didn't want to let them do too much because it seemed like it would create a bigger mess. Who am I kidding? It would have taken so much off of my shoulders if they were able to create their own dinners um, using the ingredients that were, you know, good for them. And I was so worried about making sure that 
everything was done for my husband in advance to make it super simple for him because I think I was fearful that if I didn't prepare, you know, a certain smoothie or um, a tea or whatever, that he might not have the time or take the time to do it himself. So I was trying to like steer the ship by always, you know, making these elaborate meals for him to make sure that he could stick to the diet that was really awful <laughs> and tasteless and um, you know to make it really good especially if you're doing vegan if you're um, like just all of the things we were doing because we were doing so many I can't even get into it but at the end it took so much time that I'd have to get up a couple hours early every morning just to prepare his supplements um, drinks and food and teas for the day and um, it was a lot and it doesn't make sense for caregivers to give burnout as I talked about in the last episode caregivers have to take care of themselves as well and I wasn't doing anybody in our family any favors because then there was just so much stress around food and that's not good <laughs> but um, I've gotten a little bit off track here I want to get just back again to how do these things all play in together about being selfish versus selfless, about um, health and diet. I think that if we give everybody in our family ownership over their own health, it's a great starting point because nobody should be overextending themselves trying to help another person to the point where your own self is not getting your needs met. And I think that can lead to bitterness, to exhaustion, um, I don't feel those ways towards my husband in any manner because I was the one personally taking that on. He never would have, although I think I went to the point of frustration because I wanted so desperately for him to want to change that as well and see the need for it. But we were coming from different places. He knew he was already healthy and he was. That's, there's no argument there. You know, the water, the teas, the... Um, the vegetables he took in every day and he was willing to be organic and um, you know there was no excessive bad eating coming from his camp so I hadn't created a problem where there was no problem they're just there as I was researching and as I was you know every single thing we put in our mouths I researched heavily I kept coming up with more and more and more you know I kept figuring out um, about certain things with meats that weren't good for cancer, about certain vegetables or fruits or berries or mushrooms that were great antioxidants that I wanted to add in. And so it just kept, it was my own creation that was trying to heal with food um, for sure. And he was willing to go along with every part of it. But that's not, you know, he had to just be just as invested in, no, in thinking and feeling that diet was a contributing factor as I did otherwise you're just trying to like heal a person who you know doesn't even believe that they have the problem that you believe they have does that make sense it's just like you can't put it on somebody else so it's one thing if I made those changes and could say hey look I've seen this this and this change I have more energy I have more this more that um, or if I could show him the research and say, what do you think? Is this something you'd want? And then put it on him. Cause then when he sees the value in it, he would have hands down been making those teas for himself. He wasn't making the teas for himself because one, he hates tea. 
<laughs> he absolutely hated tea. But um, he didn't really see the life and death changes that I had seen looking through countless records of person after person who had had these teas and the amazing changes they had seen to be like, yes, I am all in and I'll get up early and make it for myself. He wasn't there. He was like, yeah, sure. I'll take this stuff you were giving me just to like pacify me. But, um, this, it's important to have people invested in their own well-being and understand why you're doing what you're doing. People talk to me about this often about, um, family, dynamics and like I'm on this page but my spouse is on that page and it's just we're so far apart right now I don't even know it's my biggest point of frustration and we're not seeing things eye to eye why not take them with you on the journey of how you got from where they are to where you are because you guys probably started on a similar page to begin with and so that's what my husband and I did often he was like you are health I am finance we are not um you know, I, I trust you wholeheartedly, but it's not my thing. Just tell me what to do. That was his attitude. And as time went on, I definitely adopted this more and more to say, nope, hold on a minute. I want you to know. I want you to understand. And I think with this podcast, that's what it's all about for me, is taking people just like my husband, who are more business-minded, who are more, um, you know, not quite there on the whole energetic piece are the mind body spirit piece and they're kind of like turning their nose up at it like yeah that's fine like my husband always jokingly said oh that hippie stuff like yeah the hippie stuff but what he once called woo woo by the end he would tell people and um i feel confident saying this out loud because (laughs) i know that most of my listeners that knew my husband have heard him say this he would call me a genius which is hilarious because listen uh book smart yes but genius hardly but I definitely love research and science-backed, physics-backed stuff. I love that. It just feeds that part of my brain that loves that stuff. So when he started finally reading what I read, which again, another thing he hated to do, like, you know, I'd, he'd rather listen to a podcast like this than sit down with a book and read research articles. But when he finally came around to just giving in to me and saying, fine, let me see it, he was on board, all in, no questions asked. So he went from just having faith in me to having faith in the treatment. This is crucial because if you're just following somebody you love's advice, it's still like that sense of hoping for the best. And I'm still adamant on faith in your treatments, faith in what your choices are, faith in what you're doing. That's how you're gonna get results because we have to believe it. You can't hope for it. And that's just a epidemic right now. I feel like everybody's just hoping for the best. And I hate that expression. There's no need for it. Just faith, faith, faith. When you have the trust in the steps you're taking, there will be results. So, I mean, has anybody here ever heard of placebo effect? People aren't actually getting a treatment. They could be getting a sugar pill, but their belief their faith in the fact that they just received a treatment caused physical changes in their body and an improvement in their symptoms. So I think this ties right into that because you have to truly believe the steps you're taking are making a difference and then the difference will happen. 
talk about energetic running our life, right? But it's true. And so I didn't want my husband just coming along for the ride. I wanted him steering the car, his own car. I didn't want, or, you know, hey, better yet, like I said in a few episodes ago, I would rather have him just hand that wheel right over to God and say, all right, you're in control. But at the very least, it couldn't be me driving the car. Just it could not. And we became a team in the end because um, there was no cutting me out of the equation. I was certainly not going to spend a moment instead of having my head, you know, in a book trying to find a cure for him. I wouldn't have been watching The Real Housewives or, um, you know, just sitting around filing my nails. So I was going to continue digging. But as a team, we were able to do a lot more. And, you know, I would find it and he would help me prepare it or, um, you know, he would be able to rest while I did some treatments. Um, It was just, there was always this sort of team effort approach and things went much smoother at that point. I just would caution people to not get so invested and overextended that caregiver becomes resentful or um, exhausted or sick yourself because that can definitely, definitely happen. You could neglect yourself to a point where you're just no longer um, healthy yourself and then even your mind will be affected and you're not going to be as sharp or remembering things and the last thing you want to do is forget an important medication or you know be having (laughs) this I've seen this happen before actually in waiting rooms because we spent a lot of time in waiting rooms but where caregivers ended up in the wheelchair themselves passing out having not eaten all day um if you sign up on my website by the way I do give out especially for people battling cancer or any uh, major diagnosis really but just some things that you want to bring on that first visit and this ties into that if you subscribe you get that for free and there's really no obligation subscribing is just a word it just means that basically now you're on my email list so if I have a new blog or something big coming up I usually announce it there but other than that nothing annoying or spammy Um, but anyway I just wanted to mention that um when we were in the waiting room, we often saw people just dropping and, you know, just fully (laughs) sick themselves. And so, you know, I give all kinds of tips as far as bringing water for the day, snacks, things like that, that you just, it might just feel like, no, no, I'm not going to need that. But in these appointments, oftentimes a quick half hour visit turns into an all day event. So just being prepared, there's a lot of different things that you can bring to do that. And so it's all in there. But anyway, um, actually, this is a great time to take a quick break. So don't go anywhere. When I get back, I want to get into a little bit more about action steps to take and let's talk money. So stick around. You're not going to want to miss the end. If you lost a loved one and have cremains, you need to hear this. I wish I had this information before I buried my husband because I used to think that it was exclusive to people who cremated a loved one to be able to do something beautiful with the ashes. Well, this company, Eternova, is my favorite company going right now. I can't even say enough about them. I actually became an affiliate of theirs just because I love them so much. They could take hair as well as ashes. So um, I don't know what church you belong to um, or what your faith or religion allows, but I never knew this until recently speaking with my priest. I'm a Catholic and he said that they bury the ashes in the ground and actually the church doesn't want people scattering remains over the ocean or 
um, other such ways that people tend to sort of get rid of cremains. So why I bring this up is Eternova is this amazing company that takes those cremains and it doesn't even take that many. So you could still bury um, the ashes or you could still do whatever it is that you wanted to do with them. But with a small amount and or hair, so if the church says no to you using the ashes, you could use the hair, you can create a real and beautiful diamond. It's such a beautiful gift. And I had this idea that I really want you to hear about. I think you're gonna love it. On my website, you can check it out. I'll put a link in my description so that you can check it out. And if you just go in and read this little article, I gave all my little ideas in there and there's so many more. I could go on and on and on. And honestly, if you wanna just email me, I could give you a bunch more ideas. But um, this company's legit. They were featured on Shark Tank and I believe Mark Cuban is one of the investors. So it's a legitimate company. They do beautiful work and it is worth looking into. Even if it's a pet, doesn't matter. Just take a look at the website. It won't hurt and you won't regret it. So that's it and back to the show. When was the last time you accepted something with your hand closed? Like you went to the grocery store, gave a $20 bill for something that cost 10, and then went to receive your $10 and change with a closed fist. <laughs> like when was the last time you ever extended a closed fist to receive? Never. <laughs> there is a reason for that. When we are holding things too tight, then we can't give and we can't receive. They need the opposite to exist. So only when you let go can stuff come in. And so people are always looking to abundance these days and manifesting more. And as a society, we have a very tightly clenched fist. So I'm bringing this up because I know money speaks to so many people these days. People are tuning in to hear about how to make more and people are in fear because they think they don't have enough. And I do think some of it is not the self-absorbed piece, but you know, a little bit of the greed that comes with, um, I think it comes from fear. I, I do believe most people come from a good place. I think that we live though very fearful and always wanting more security. Um, it doesn't matter how much we get. I think you can look at your own life and see that as you've incrementally made more, you still have new things that you want to acquire or new bills to have to pay. And you're always thinking that you haven't reached it yet. <laughs> so if you're wanting that, I would suggest being more open to spend, which sounds so counterintuitive for what we've been taught. I can tell you firsthand, I have seen it in action. I was definitely somebody who was um, just very cautious with spending, especially after the loss of my husband. But until I started to invest in myself, I couldn't see the return, you know? And I'm not talking about investing in myself as in I went out and bought a new outfit. I'm talking about investing in making the betterment of myself <laughs> and making myself like a bigger contributor to the world. and trying to see things from others' point of view and learning new skills and all of those things. I've been just trying to do self-improvement in that way to grow my own self so that I can give back more. And it's just changed things exponentially. So coming from having been somebody who for a very long time 
was very nervous on the spending front. Um, I definitely see it's like um, the infinity symbol, right? And it just kind of comes in and goes out in this sort of um, constant flow. I just think of like a wave or something um, that just has this rhythm to it. But if it's never going out, it doesn't come back in. You know, if you watch the tides move, it's not just going one way. It has to go out in order to be able to come back in. And when you apply that to life, I think you'll see even your wallet has the capability to accept more in. But when you are just living in a fear-based uh, light and just not wanting to ever let anything out, how can things come back in? Is there even space for more to come in? You could start, because it is a hard concept to fully just you know, embrace and dive into because there's that fear element. And how do you get rid of the fear? It, it's like you just need to sort of somehow bridge it by doing something that's like simple, small, and safe. And then you, as you see it happen, then you can start doing it on a bigger scale. I started with just my closet and storage bins that we had in our basement. These were things that needed to be purged <laughs> and so often are overlooked or put off till tomorrow. But when you just start releasing and giving back and donating all these items that you really don't need anymore, be surprised and pay attention because stuff will just start coming in and it's a very cool thing to witness. But I would just say start that, like the homework assignments, you know I do. So start by just releasing a few things that you maybe were hanging on to, but maybe for no purpose. I'm not gonna lie, I still had yearbooks <laughs> and old like cap and gowns and bins for what, I don't know. <laughs> when would those ever need to be touched, felt, seen again? I mean, unless there's something really special in your yearbook that you want to show your kids. But my kids are of an age where they're ready to be able to see stuff like that. And I didn't really care to share it. It was just like, these aren't even people that are still, you know, anyone they know. There's a few people in there that they know, but he tried to show them pictures and they were like, meh. <laughs> so, you know, unless your best friend is still around um, and they were your, you know, elementary school best friend or something and you had all these great photos in your yearbook. I'm just saying little things like that that are just sitting around and you think, oh, someday, you know, my kids are gonna love this. <laughs> just check in with your kids if you haven't in a while and they're of an age where they can sort of say for themselves because I held on to a lot of their baby clothes and they laughed and said, my kids will never wear this. <laughs> I'm just saying if my 11 year old can make sense of this and just look at it and be like, mom, this is not gonna be in style by the time my kids are old enough to wear it, then it was time for me to let go. When you really think about it, life is such a funny thing because we're all about keepsakes and making these memories. But really, do we want to always be looking back? Do we really want just drawers and desks and, you know, bookshelves and bins just filled with memories so that one day we can just sit there and sift through it all? I mean, that was sort of why my husband and I ever kept a single thing in our lives because we both hated knickknacks and all that stuff that just collects dust but yet found ourselves hanging on to like all of these little school papers of our kids and outfits that they wore and tickets to movies and like for what purpose? I don't know, I'm not a scrapbooker by nature, but even if I did put together a scrapbook, I had enough for an entire library with all the stuff we held on to. And I'm really big on staying present and not always being fixated on past things. So I'm not sure what I was hanging on to it for, but sometimes I feel like some people are just living for the memories. They're not really just in the present moment. And my um, oldest son was probably 
four and her youngest was like one or something, something around that age frame. Uh, age frame. I'm not sure that's a word. <laughs> Time frame. Um, I remember we brought our kids to Disney for the first time and we were on a safari ride and the one-year-old obviously completely disinterested in that and the older kiddo was trying to see things but so tiny he couldn't really see past the people in front of us or you know around like when we would point out by some tree he wasn't able to totally identify where we were pointing he was missing most of it so in my own mind I recorded the entire thing with my husband's phone and had all of these great videos and I remember saying oh this will be so fun to show them later but in the moment, I feel like I kind of missed out on the opportunity of just being there with them because I had this stupid phone in my hand and I was trying to get the video. And, you know, I could have spent the time just whispering to my son, like, oh, I think I see whatever and having like a little adventure with him. But I was so caught up in like for their own sake, trying to record the lion doing whatever. And, and we did get some awesome video. But what happened next was hilarious hilarious and devastating. <laughs> we accidentally typed the wrong password into my husband's phone three times in a row. And I don't know if anybody listening is in finances, but once that happens, the phone is cleaned completely. So they think somebody's trying to break in, get passwords, information. I don't even know what he would have in his phone that would be so important, but it would wipe everything clean. So he lost everything every single photo we took of that trip gone and this was kind of like right before the cloud was sort of a thing if i remember right it was like some people used it some people didn't there was no automatic like we weren't really all doing it all the time i don't know why for some reason we hadn't changed his phone over to automatically backing up or maybe we couldn't because it was a work phone i i have no idea but all i know is that it wiped the entire trip clean and all of these things that i took so much time to make sure that I got these photos of like you know when the family wanted to go do whatever and I made them stop for a quick pose or whatever all this stuff was so ridiculous that in the end we didn't even have it and so it was like looking back at moments lost really and I will say it didn't happen often but that one safari ride for sure I could have done a way better job and all of the other stuff like who really cares if we take a million pictures in the middle of a you know, circus act or whatever, who knows what we were watching, but um, you spend a lot of time there, but not there. And just setting that aside alone would have been a beautiful thing just for the moment. But I think that we live this way. If you're thinking bigger picture, I think this is how we live. Everything we do is for the capturing of a moment for later, for a social post, for whatever. I know we all talk about unplugging, but it's honestly not happen happening at all. We're all continually trying to create new memories instead of actually being in that moment to make memories. You know, to me, a memory means like when my husband was laying there on his deathbed, it stood out so vividly. Well, guess what stood out so vividly to him while he was laying on his deathbed? Me and my two boys, and that's about it. You know, I mean, the awareness of who we were, that we were special to him. Uh, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on an episode before, but it was around Valentine's Day. Actually, it was the day before when he passed. And um, a dear friend of ours asked him if there was anything that he wanted 
to get for me and the boys for Valentine's Day because they were going to do that for him. So you can imagine if he died the day before Valentine's Day, this was maybe a week before that, so he was really losing speech and cognition and stuff. Everything was just sort of quickly failing. But he came out with the most beautiful message that his life never would have been so complete without me. And then he remembered that I loved white roses and he remembered that my boys loved Reese's peanut butter cups <laughs> and he specifically asked that we got the specific things that he knew we loved and that was it and luckily there was not a ton of regret I mean I made sure he made some critical phone calls to people that I knew he'd want to talk to or that people that would want to talk to him one more time but it wasn't as though like all of the sudden this you know these memories of Disney and I don't know if people get these flashes of you know when they talk about near-death experiences a lot of people say these have these flashes of these major events in their life I still think we I would question what things flash I mean I would think major things major people having a baby a new job maybe like you know major things buying a house moving to a new town like these major things, but all these little memories that have to be so special and caught on camera, posted about, liked and loved so many times, all that stuff is nothing. I mean, it's nothing. It's not a blip on the radar. So why do we make it so much something right now? It's like, I would, I would say I scaled back. I scaled back a lot of things, but you know, the taking of the photos everywhere I went, I was finding myself spending more time behind the lens and really in the moment. And um, I don't know, there's a lot less pictures now of my kiddos probably since my husband passed, but it's be it was purposeful. It's because I feel like, yeah, it's good to show these major milestones like the first day of school or, you know, when they just got their brand new haircut or, you know, a basketball game when they might score their first goal or something, I don't know, but, um, I don't want to miss everything else just because I'm pulling over to capture a beautiful sunset. You know, if I happen to have the phone in my hand and I look up and I capture a rainbow, yeah, sure, I'll take the phone out and snap a picture and try to share it with people to bring a little joy to their day. But I'm not so caught up in, oh wait, we need to stop here and take a photograph by this, you know, welcome back to school sign when they're just excited to go see their friends. And I've already taken a photo at home of them with their backpack on or whatever. I'm not going to like keep stopping time for a moment that it isn't really all that important, you know? I, um, I do take pictures of my kids as they have, like every birthday, for instance, I take a picture of my kids wearing something of my husband's and it, it means more now than ever before because, you know, showing them growing into the men just like their dad, you know, and someday that shirt will fit. And of course, when they were newborn, it was just like a, a big nightgown. So it's just, it's those things that are really special. And I mean, I would say all of those things could probably fill one album. <laughs> so even that, I started going through old photo albums and taking out pictures of people that I knew once upon a time, or if I don't recognize the person in the picture, it is time to be done with it. It's hard sometimes. It's hard when you, but I have noticed that, especially nowadays where you can click, 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 click. Oh my goodness. The amount of pictures and 
I mean, my generation, we have all of the physical pictures still in shoeboxes and wherever. And it's just time to let go. And the more release you do, the more accepting you'll find. And in a day full of selfies, it is really a beautiful thing when you can just let go of so much of that stuff and just not care about it. And you have to be there. If you're not there mentally where you're not gonna, you know, it's it's gone and, and not thought of again, great. But um, for some people, that would be a major loss that they're gonna just, you know, really be stuck on and wish I hadn't gotten rid of and feel really badly about. And that's, then you're not in the right mindset to get rid of it. But for certain for me, with all that I've been through in the last couple of years, I, I see it now more clearly than ever. You know, something major could happen, some major catastrophe like a fire or like, you know, a bombing or like, you know, a weather disaster, a hurricane, anything like that. And everything could be lost tomorrow. And we all agree it's the people we'd want to save. So why are we working so hard to save stuff in boxes? If my house went up in flames tomorrow, I'd feel really good about having gone through all those boxes already. And so I know exactly, like I wouldn't even know. I, there's still so much stuff right now that I wouldn't even know what I lost. I want to know what I lost. If I had a fire, I want to know what I even had. I don't want to be like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what was even in there. That's a weird thing, right? <laughs> We're really holding on to way too much. So you should be able to pick up and move tomorrow and not have it take e eons <laughs> to get out of your house. And uh, if you're like me and you have just so many boxes of holiday decorations and whatever it's time to thin out a little bit and you'll feel lighter I know this because I've felt it it's so freeing an open space is so freeing and and it just gives you so much more that can come in and I'm not just talking about the stuff but experiences and you know you don't have the ability tomorrow if you had to up and move or uh, anything like that I just think that creating that it's almost like an exciting little thing like yeah if I wanted to tomorrow we could pick up and go like that's fun that's a f good feeling I don't know but it just feels more open and airy and energetically clean <laughs> and I think if you do it you're gonna be grateful that you did even if it's just letting go of the stuff um, but certainly if you're able to let go of enough and you start to see the stuff coming in in terms of people showing up, opportunities showing up, all of that stuff. It really starts to happen and it's such a cool thing. So I had to share that with you. Uh, so health-wise, let's just recap a little bit because I don't want to go on too long on a tangent. If I go back to what I was telling you at the beginning, super important that we are not just focusing on the one person, but the whole family and every person's needs equally, not just the people who are on fire start paying attention to every single person or pretty soon everyone could be on fire. So start with that, making sure everybody's getting their needs met, that no one person is doing all the work for the family, that you allow your kids responsibility as much as they can handle because it takes some of the weight off of you and it builds stronger, better kids who are way more capable of doing for themselves. And then beyond just that, remembering that you can't make health choices and decisions for somebody else. They need to have investment in the idea. They need to have faith in the promise that it's going to work. 
So you need to let them take on some of that and you need to release a little bit of it. And the more we're releasing, the more we're letting go, the more stuff that's going to start to come in and it's beautiful and it's going to just be able to fill your life up with so much more of the good stuff, not the heavy stuff, not the memories and not looking backwards, but again, staying in the present and being able to really just make the most of the here and the now without it being about all the material stuff or about you know, greed or hanging on too tightly to what we have and feeling like we never have enough and just appreciating what we do have. Because if you truly stay right here in this moment and aren't worried about kids' college, because that's a thing of tomorrow, or worrying about how you're going to pay the next, you know, bill or whatever comes up, you're that's all future stuff. You're You're not staying where you need to be. And it's good to prepare. I always say that. But also... We need to be aware with our words, very careful what we're saying and really aware of whether it's true or not. If we really do have more that we could be giving up. If you have, if you're going through all of these things in your home anyway and starting to let go of, maybe you have a yard sale and you could actually make and bring in some money on all these things you're letting go of. And maybe that could be something that you give back, right? For me, I just like to donate. I like to just go to St. Vincent's in my hometown and I give them my stuff and then, you know, it. It just helps people in the community that are in need and that makes me feel really good. I don't always have, you know, the opportunity to be able to sit roadside and do a yard sale and then donate that money or whatever, but I would happily give it to somebody else who's in business of just doing this. So that's what I do, but it all feels so good and anytime you're feeling good and upping your own vibration and can spread that into the world, it's doing a great thing, so do that. And, you know, I noticed something, my youngest son, who's eight, his heart has grown so much over these last few years, which sounds so odd, having just lost his dad a couple years ago, but the way that I've changed, the way that I do things, and the way I talk to them, I'm starting to really see the changes in him. So this year, for my older son's birthday, he insisted on spending his own money for his brother and he didn't just want to get him a little gift he wanted to get him like a very big gift and then when i said oh but that costs x what do you think about just getting one? Oh no he not only did he want to get him both but he wanted to get him the best and he was totally he was like no i want to spend my money and then when it was my birthday and mother's day this kid every day was so cute that he would like give me a dollar then he'd give me five dollars. The next it was forty, and then twenty, and then I don't even know where he was coming with all his money. His old piggy bank was just getting emptied out, I guess. And it was funny because initially it was like every time he'd give me a dollar, I would put it back in his piggy bank. Finally, I allowed him to give me. I think it was like twenty-five dollars or something like that. But like he wanted to literally empty out his piggy bank and wouldn't hear it any other way, and felt really bad. And I finally realized I was denying him of that joy of giving. And that was really like a funny thing because as a mom, I didn't want him to spend his own money on anything yet. And you know, he's not old enough to be working and I didn't want him to be spending, you know, he's not making money. So I don't know, there was just this part of me that was like, you can't let him give you that. But his little heart was so broken when I didn't allow him to give, I realized, oh my gosh, there's such a gift in giving. And having a child who so freely wants to give is a beautiful, beautiful compliment to our parenting and just like gold to see in this next generation that he just wanted to give because he wanted to see the happiness that he created of his own in someone else. And I finally got it 
and just said thank you and the little smile that lit right up his eyes lit up he was so excited and oh my gosh it was a learning experience for me and it shouldn't have been I should have just figured that out but it took you know just want going through that experience with him so I took that as a gift it was really just a beautiful thing to witness and Anyway, he has just been going through his room trying to see what it is that he can give away and it's so beautiful that I, I do hope that if you ever see that in a young person that you just encourage it and just learn to say thank you and compliment how amazing their hearts are and spend less time worrying about if they have a grasp on money and finances and all that stuff because I was thinking all those things like, you know, am I teaching them the right money lessons in life? Well, I think... If we look back, a lot of us learn some really bad money habits in our own past. And so when we see beautiful ones like somebody wanting to give, that's something that we should just congratulate, you know, in ourselves for, for um, you know, nourishing them up and for them to have just embodied it. it it's just a beautiful thing. So anyway, um, from my little eight-year-old to your ears, <laughs> I hope that this episode landed for you. I was a little bit all over the place because there's a lot that feeds into being self-absorbed and selfish, those words. Uh, I just wanted to grab your attention, but I hope I did, and I hope this got through to you. I hope you guys have a great day, and thank you so much for tuning in. All right, I'll catch you on the next episode. Bye, guys.